Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Nirlathotep tonight with a special spotlight episode on one Lillian Lane. So joining me is the aforementioned, so please introduce yourself. This is Morgan, and I play Lillian Lane, and yeah, that's we're, we're going on an adventure. <laughs> Indeed, and tonight's adventure circles around a very prospective information point for your Cairo investigation, and that is a gentleman by the name of Warren Bessert. And so after doing a little bit of digging on your own, you have managed to find out a little bit more about Warren's location. And the last known address that the French embassy has from him is something on the on or near what's something called the Red Door. It's in the Street of Scorpions uh, along the Red Alley. And so this is, as you, your map shows that they gave you, is another bazaar that's located along uh, the Sharia El Muz in the old city. So you are going to the older portion of Cairo. Great. I start walking that way. Uh, it's a fairly warm day. And even into the afternoon hours, uh, the heat seems a little unrelenting. The city itself is is teeming with uh, attention that you're starting to pick up on. And maybe it was the embassy and their reaction to your inquiry. Perhaps he's got some sort of troubled past that you're not aware of, but the authorities were not directly forthcoming with this information. You had to uh, put on a little bit of the traditional lane charm to, uh, to make them see your insistence. But with the knowledge that you have, you find your way to the Street of Scorpions, and not long thereafter, you find yourself in the Red Alley. This is a very tightly packed alleyway. It's probably no more than two and a half meters wide. And there are people and boxes and shipping crates that, some of which are not in the greatest repair, that line this alleyway. And the heat in this alleyway isn't any more or less than the streets itself, but the dust in the air does seem to, to, to be kicked up a little higher here. You find your way towards a red door, the only red door in this entire alley. It's closed, but there is a sign nearby in Arabic. Which I can't read. Correct. <laughs> I, I tried the door as an unlock. It is. It is. Guess I will open the door and knock as I win and mm-hmm. kind of call out. 
Hello? Is anyone here? Your voice doesn't echo, that's for certain. Um, So that is kind of a, a warm response immediately. You walk into a room that has clothing racks, a counter, and there is a uh, an older gentleman behind the counter. He wears a uh, a red fez atop his, his head. He has a, a white shirt and a vest on, and uh, he greets you at first in what you believe is Arabic, and then he eventually works around to saying hello in uh, a fairly broken English. Hello. You speak you speak English? He seems to kind of mumble a little bit. Yeah. You you want? He points to the clothing. Well, I'm, I'm I'm actually looking for someone. I'm hoping you can help me. I was directed to this place. Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Warren Besser. He seems to pause for a moment and kind of look at you, and then like look at the clothing, and then he steps out from behind the counter and goes to a dress and takes it off the rack. This this is very wonderful kind of puts it up to you and smiles with it. No, 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 no. No, thank you. I'm looking for a person. Person. Man. Looking for a man. He puts the clothing back on the rack and then he kind of stands with his hands folded in front of you. I, uh, who is this man? Besset? I have never heard of him. A French man? Their embassy directed me to this area <laughs> <laughs> he glances around the shop a little bit and I'm going to give you a spot hidden roll right got a 24 out of 88 a hard success he seems to be glancing around the shop but not at the front door or the clothing racks or you he drifts a little bit between the curtained archway behind his counter you see him look in that direction a couple of times and uh, he continues to, to shake his head that he doesn't he doesn't know who you're talking about. Okay. So where is the, the curtain spot? Is it past him or is it... Yeah, you would have to go oh, uh, around, around him mm-hmm. and, um, and to the side of his counter. And it's not, it's not directly behind his counter. It's, it's adjacent to it, but you would have to definitely go around him to get to it. So I, I'm assuming somebody's back there. Can I hear anything back there? Can I do a listen or? Uh, yeah, go ahead and give me a listen roll. Uh, oh, really? I've got a 73 out of 70. <laughs> okay. I, I can. I'll tell. I'll use three luck to make that a success. Certainly. You spend three luck. Uh, you hear what sounds like maybe a was a tea kettle going back there? Maybe. I step closer, not not super close to the gentleman. I don't want to. I don't want to get in his personal space and mm-hmm. threaten him. But I do. Uh, he can clearly understand more than he can speak, based on him understanding exactly what I was looking for in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just. I'm not trying to make any trouble, sir. But I'm really looking to speak to Mr. Bessert about the Carlisle expedition. But I'm saying it loud enough that whoever's in the back can mm-hmm. hopefully hear me. <laughs> okay. He shifts a bit back and forth on his feet as if he's becoming a little uncomfortable. He eyes the curtain again and then moves back behind the counter and um, he starts raising his voice a little bit and saying, 
what we have here are clothes. That that is what we have. So I guess speaking louder, I, I step towards the counter, and do you have anything they might wear to maybe some cult meetings, like for the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh? You mentioned the Black Pharaoh, and the man behind the counter screws up his features like he doesn't know what you're talking about. The curtain to your right, nearest the door, parts immediately, and a fairly lithe, almost emaciated man bolts out of it towards the front door. Oh, for the love of Pete. I have time to run for people. He exits through that red door you came in <sighs> as quickly as he can. Goodness. I look at the gentleman and, and I and I point towards the door. Was that Warren Bessert? Puts his hands up and shrugs. <laughs> All right, I chase out the, the front door. Okay, so what we need to do now is I'm going to make a con roll and you're going to make a con roll. And this okay. is how chases are initiated. So we're basically going to see how fast you are versus how fast he is and in what order you go. I've got a 55 out of 60. Mm, I see that. And... Just checking here. Your movement. Movement rate is nine. Okay. So you succeeded on your constitution roll, which means your move stays at nine. If you had failed, it would have gone down by one. And if you had had uh, a larger success or a greater success, it could have gone up by one. Warren succeeded on his roll. His move is a seven. And so because of this, because you have two points higher of move than he does. Mm-hmm. Effectively, when the chase starts and he goes out the door and gets down the alley, as soon as you get into gear, you get down, get out the door, you're going to catch him very quickly. It's good. He's he's emaciated and stuff. I should catch him pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you do. He doesn't even get out of the red alley. He gets towards the mouth of it before he feels your presence behind. I guess my question is, is as you're exiting out, what are you saying or doing at all? Are you just silently running after Warren Besser? I don't know if I want to yell his name down the uh, down the alleyway because he apparently was, he was really trying to hide, and I don't want to call the attention that to anybody else that might be hiding in the alleyway. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna run down the alleyway, um, and I'd rather silently catch him than yell for him and draw more attention to ourselves. Okay. Although I'm sure running is gonna probably. <laughs> Awesome. But whatever. Right. So you get you get to him. Uh, how are you going to stop him from proceeding? I am going to reach out and grab his shoulder. And then is there anywhere like is there an opening like to the either one of the sides, like a doorway opening or like an, another alleyway or, or is it just the alleyway itself? It's just the alleyway. And if you want to reach yeah. out and grab him, it's brawl. You're not trying to do any damage to him, but you are trying to grab him. All right. Cool. A 91 out of 42. My brawl is not very high. Okay. So you reach out to grab him and... (laughs) So you reach out to grab him and you don't... You think you're going to miss him. And as you kind of reach forward to put a hand on his shoulder to grab at his shirt, um, he trips. And as he trips, he collapses onto the ground in kind of a heap. And then his roll... He rolls towards... The, the nearest building and you see him kind of prop himself up uh, with his back to the wall and you see him put his hands up in a defensive posture and he begins begging you in French not to hurt him. Well, knowing that I, I speak French as well, obviously understand him. Um, 
I res- I respond back, you know, at least in French, telling him not going to hurt him, and ask, and I, do you, do you speak English? Obviously, he speaks English. We, 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 I, uh, please, please, please don't hurt, please don't hurt me. Not here to hurt you. I'm just here to ask you some questions. No, 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 no. About about what? Well, can we not be in the middle of the alleyway and doing this? Because you were going to draw more attention to yourself, which I don't think you want. He looks very broken as as a human. Slowly rises to his feet and uh, begins to to limp back deeper into the alleyway, like towards the red door again. Mm-hmm. I catch up with him and can we have some tea and ha- and talk? I. Uh... Y- yes, yeah, I will need more than tea. Uh, sure, whatever it is you want, I want to drink. I, I, I'm trying to be very cognizant that this this man is definitely mentally, you know, broken in some way, shape, or form, and I'm assuming I can recognize that. I can see, especially since he is the way he is. It doesn't take a major degree in psychology to know that he is fearful. He is maybe a little desperate. He doesn't look well. Yeah, so I try, I try to be aware of that and try to be more compassionate than I normally would when I'm questioning somebody for information. Generally, I would try to be a little bit more blunt. He leads you back in through the red door. The shopkeeper looks elsewhere <laughs> when you walk back in like you don't exist. And Morin kind of sheepishly moves beyond the red curtain into a small back room that has a a cot, a few small crates and what looks like a a small burning, it's not really even a stove, it's it's just something that keeps uh, the, the tea kettle warm. And then there's also a very long and somewhat acrid smelling pipe in the room. I remove my shawl from my face so, you know, and, and put it around my neck so he can you know, to, he can put a face with a I don't look so inhuman. You're not going to have him just bathe in your beauty? Come on now. I mean, so he can bathe in my beauty. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I sit down on one of the crates and I'm, I'm sorry if I am um, I scared you. That that wasn't my intention. What uh, what are you looking for? Why would you search for me? Your name was on a letter that I have regarding the Carlisle expedition. Myself and some some fellow travelers are are looking into the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. He seems a little lost. Did you procure some antiquities for Roger Carlyle um, from Mr. Najjar? According to some information that we gathered, you collected some some odd antiquities for Mr. Carlyle from Mr. Najjar. He seems to shake his head in somewhat of a dulled way, and he pushes the rest of his body close to the, the far wall. He puts a good few feet between him and you, and he takes up this pipe. 
and he lights it. And then this fairly long pipe, uh, you can see his long, thin muscled arms light it and he inhales for a very long time. Far longer than you've ever seen anyone smoke a regular pipe. And the exhale is acrid and foul. And you hear him cough deep in his chest. <coughs> it is very um, important that I, I, I smoke the, the rest of this. Right now? Or are we... Are you going to... Are we going to talk about what I asked? Or? He continues for the next few minutes. Focused entirely on inhaling whatever it is. Uh, that is inside this pipe. If you have science, specifically pharmacy or natural world, you can roll for it. I have 10 in natural world. That's... Yeah, default. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Ooh, I got a 45 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, you're not sure what this is. I mean, you, you are somewhat familiar with um, during certain... Uh, certain parties that you have been to, you are somewhat familiar with what likely would be called the the devil's lettuce or or something akin to what we would know as marijuana. Uh, but this is nothing like you have smelled. Mar- I mean, that stuff is sweet smelling, and yes, it's it's got its own tinge in the air. But this stuff smells it smells awful. Do I start to feel any difference? I mean, I'm probably in close proximity to get some of that to inhale that smoke, so. No, I won't make you make a constitution roll just yet. That's, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, you smell it. You might, in turn, consider putting the scarf back up to cover your mouth and nose if you become concerned. After a minute or two, he puts the pipe back down. You hear a few more stuttered coughs from him. <coughs> and he says, Carlisle, it feels like a lifetime ago. You sound like completely different now. His voice sounds different, yeah. He doesn't look different, does he? Like, no, like, eyes are going black or anything. We're not, like, going, okay. Just no, it doesn't seem so. He can't have been more than five or six years now. It was the winter. Maybe January or February. There was a lawyer. He wanted me to be an agent, a purchasing agent, for Roger Carlisle himself, the wealthy American. Money is no object is all I heard. I told him, Oui, monsieur, he says in a very stylistic French, and got things that he wanted. Got them from Faraz Najjar, an antiquities dealer. He could get his hands on anything, especially when money was no object. I whisked Carlisle items out of the country. A little... Bakshish and whoosh, and they're off to the Penny Foundation in London. Bye-bye, he waves. A monkey could have done it. Wait, he was sending things... You were sending things to the Penny Foundation on behalf of Carlisle? Oui. A handful of ancient trinkets. Nothing too special. I got them there in plenty of time for Carlisle and his friends to see them. This. What? Maybe April? They came here. Cairo. The Carlisle Expedition, he spreads his hands wide in all of their glory. I was their man. 
arranging their equipment and permits, traveling along with them to smooth out any difficulties with the locals or the authorities. Difficulties? What difficulties? The dig was to be at Dashur, the bent pyramid. Magnifique. The sides are not straight, you know. Up, and then whoop, bent like this. And he gives you a visual with his two hands of how the bent pyramid is set. Weeks later, I was at our camp at Darshur, and Jack Brady came running up. He was scared out of his mind, and this was not like him. He tells me Carlisle, Miss Masters, and Sir Aubrey, and Dr. Houston went inside the bent pyramid and never came out. Wait. That doesn't line up with what the newspapers say about I am not finished. My apologies. It is all so fleeting, you understand. It is barely here inside my head. Barely. He was sure, Brady, that there was some foul play. The diggers had fled the site. No work, no people, no expedition. Everyone gone. We did not know what to do. So, being the man that I am, I opened a bottle of cognac on the spot. And we drank. Oh, my, did we drink. I have never seen a man drink that much cognac. Brady is magnificent. You know, I admired him from afar every day. It is sad that I never got to tell him. Is he dead? Not that I know of. Isn't he? Last I heard, he was in Shanghai, I believe. I have not seen Jack Brady since they went south to Kenya. The next morning, the sun comes up. Et voila. And what do we see coming from the Bent Pyramid? We are overjoyed. Hmm? At first, what happened? Where were you? We could tell they had found something wonderful. Something important. But Sir Aubrey forbade them from speaking. One by one, he went along them like a line with his finger and shushed their mouths. He would not let them speak to us. He would not let them tell of what they had seen. Does that mean the workers were in there too? Or were they had they f- actually fled? I... I did not believe the workers went inside the pyramid. So it was Carlisle, Sir Aubrey, and Miss, Miss Houston? No, no. Do- do- Dr. Houston. Dr. Houston? And Miss Masters. Oh, Miss Masters. Okay. The only one of the expedition to not go in was Brady. You could see that they had changed, though. I saw it in their face. They were... It was as if they were gods walking among us. They were younger, stronger. Why? It was as if time had been dialed back for each one and then frozen in sand. But I do not believe that this was for the better. I believe that this change was for the worse. Oh, the terrible shadows to come. He reaches down and goes for the pipe again. 
You see that he's beginning to sweat. Are you okay? I should have known better. I should have known right then to run, to leave, to never, ever speak of it again. I am a fool. What a day. In the nighttime, an old woman came to my tent. Hmm? She tells me that her son is one of the diggers I hired. Before I could send her away, she tells me her son and the other men, they fled because Carlisle and the others had consorted with some ancient evil. The messenger of the Black Wind, she called it. The souls of the Europeans were lost. I remember this. She said this in my left ear. Lost. And I say, what, what, me? Me, me? Is my soul lost? I became so panicked. No, she says. You and the big man are safe. They called Brady the, the big man. Hmm? He kind of pulls his arms into a bicep pose and gesticulates a bit for you. The big man. Hmm. <laughs> the diggers, they called they called him this. I, I remember it so fondly. By now I have had enough of this. But before I send her away, she whispers in my right ear, You need proof? Go see for yourself. Go to the collapsed pyramid, she says. The one at Midium. The night before the dark moon. At a time when the moon is slimmest. And what does a fool like Warren do? He goes. I told Brady that I was going to Cairo for a night on the town. It was well-deserved. But instead, I went to Medium. <laughs> I listened, I went, and I was there. Warren, you imbecile. I sat alone in the dark until they came. Hundreds of them. Following Carlyle and the others. They did things. They did some sort of... Right, some sort of, of ritual. The most obscene acts I have ever seen performed. Men and women with one another in ways which cannot be spoken. And it wasn't simply one or two. It was hundreds of them. Together, the very desert came alive. It crawled. It undulated under my skin. I watched it ripple. It kept crawling towards the ruins of the pyramid. The ruins became a skeletal, bulging-eyed thing. He begins to sweat more. Can I, can I get you some water? Uh, there is uh, tea there. There, tea. I go and pour him a, a cup of tea and, and hand it to him. He takes it from you. You can hear the cup and saucer rattle in his fingers. Strange creatures then rose from the sand. They grasped these dancing fanatics. And one by one, they tore their throats out. Grabs at his own throat and seems to almost pierce his skin with his sharp fingernails. All of them killed. All of them. But, but not, not by the hands of my dear employers. They remained 
they remained. And one other robed person. Do you know who that was? I dared not look at them. Have you heard enough? I have probably seen worse, so you can feel free to keep going unless you are uncomfortable. No, 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 there there is more, there is more, there is more. Great. Something more came up from the sand. It was huge. The size of an elephant. But with five separate shaggy heads. Then I realized what it was. But no, 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 I, I... I cannot. I must I must not speak its name. But it ate them. The bodies. The fanatics. It swallowed them whole. It devoured them. Leaving only the five of them standing on that blood-soaked sand. I watched. Transfixed by these mouths. As they slowly crushed these bones savoring every portion. Before dawn, I stumbled upon a rise of sand. I saw them, hundreds of them, an army of dark sphinxes, rank upon rank, crouched on their haunches, waiting, waiting for the hour of madness to spring forth to devour the world. I left this world again, this time for many months, The man found me, he gestures towards the curtain. Helpless, a big baby, some lunatic on the street. Poor Warren, mindless and adrift. Merciful forgiveness, should I find it. In time I forgot, and began to live again. I came back to Cairo, but the dreams have come now. Dreams and memories, Infernal nightmares I cannot claw from out my brain. Hashish helps some. He gestures with the pipe. Opium is even better. Alas, my supply is all but gone, but I... I cannot bear the night without it. Please. He smacks his hands together in a prayerful pose. Please. I, I must have money. Perhaps you can help, poor Warren. Madness grips me at every moment. For the love of God, do not leave me like this. Everything, everything is lost. There is no hope for any of us. Everywhere they wait. So, before I hand him anything. So, the, the, the dark sphinxes that you mentioned, that were waiting, crouched to come on the, uh, you know become a plague upon our world that was five or six years ago where where are those dark sphinxes now I see them when I sleep they wait just below the sand they wait for his call the man in that robe oh I'm gonna say his name but you don't know who the man in the robe was I do not even know if he is a man why don't you go back to France why why stay in Cairo where where the, the nightmares haunt you. I have no money to travel. Oh, I would be happy to go back to France. I don't know what he's going to spend his money on because my, my bet is he's addicted to opium and stuff. I pull a, a small pouch of coins or money out of... You do have both. You have uh, Egyptian pounds. You also have the Egyptian coins. 
right? So they have coins that can also be broken into smaller uh, allotments. I feel bad because he's totally just, it's, it's sad. I hand him, I think it would be an American money. Um, I hand him 10 in American. I don't know what that would be in Egyptian. It's essentially the English and Egyptian dollar are one for one, right? So right now, if you hand him $10 American, it's basically like getting $2 European because it's a five to one exchange ratio. Is that a lot in, in uh, No, you're not, he's not getting home on $10. If he oh. wants to go to France, he's not getting home on that amount. How much does it cost to get home to France? Uh, to get passage on, you know, a ship that would take him out of Port Said and likely mm-hmm. back towards France. And that could be any number of ports, but he could move between a, a few different ones. It'd probably be... Uh, tickets are, are probably going to be alone are going to be 15 to $20. And that's if he's going steerage, right? Uh, maybe a little less depending on the style of ship. But that's just passage. That has nothing. To, I mean, the man needs to eat. He needs medical care. It's fairly clear that Warren knows that. Um, but he is likely at war with himself over what his needs are. Yeah. So I hand him 40 He takes it. He's not going to say no. It's free money. <laughs> Thank you for your information. Mm-hmm. I, I, is there anything else you want to tell me? Did you Were you with Carlisle when he disappeared? Or when he died? No. No. After I saw my vision at Medium, I left this world for months. I don't even know outside of hearing that they left for Kenya and were unfortunately killed. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what happened to any of them. I have not been back to the pyramids since, nor would I go. Hopefully this is enough to get you home if you so choose. I I wish you the best. He thanks you. And um, he kind of settles in a haze with a half drank cup of tea and the last smoldering bits of that acrid hashish that still plumes from his pipe. Is there anything in the back area that I would that that I might notice that you know might have to do with the Carlisle expedition or anything? There's a crate that's got Warren's initials on it, WB, and it's open, but it looks like I mean, it looks like little more than simple statuary pieces or knickknacks that he's kept along the way. Just one more thing before I leave. When you sent antiquities to the Penyu Foundation, was any of them a vase with say, Egyptian writing and, and stuff on it? I sent several pieces to them. A couple of vases. I remember... One might have had a pharaoh on it. Yes, 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 yes. yes I remember this piece. It had two figures on it. Correct. Interesting. Okay. Well, well, thank you for your time. I I appreciate it. I did send him a, a pharaoh. Yes, you sent you sent him an actual pharaoh. You sent him the pharaoh, or a pharaoh. Did you see it? There was a one made of obsidian and and black stone. 
I actually did see the movie that at the Penyu Foundation, I believe. So, <laughs> um, I I did. We I never looked inside it. <laughs> hmm. It is still at the Penyu Foundation. It was laden with goods. There was no mummy inside of it. We used it to transport many additional goods. Oh. My friends will be very interested to know that. I don't think we'll be going back to London anytime soon. (laughs) So, Mm. and the the gentleman that ran the Penyu Foundation no longer runs the Penyu Foundation. Oh. He seems to continue to drift. Well, I'll leave him to his is smoking and I exit um, to the to the curtain and just nod to the to the gentleman behind the counter okay you exit the room uh, make me a constitution roll so I was hoping I'd get away with oh are you kidding me I got a 91 out of 60 so now I'll ask you if you would like to push that roll sure okay in what way would you like so let me give you a little bit of flavor text so you, so you yeah. understand what you're doing you exit out of this space, and as you pull the curtain aside and enter into the shop, you suddenly become overcome with the realization of how dense the air was back there with hashish, and it was way more potent than you realized, and the room starts to spin. I am going to try to grip, at least try to get my bearings by gripping onto the counter and lead my way out. And follow the follow the racks of clothes and stuff to the and focus on the red door because I'm assuming mm-hmm. the red, the door is painted red on the back too. It is. So I will try to focus on that. Okay, go ahead and give me a constitutional push. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna spend a luck. You Can can't, I, oh, I can't. You can't. You can't spend luck. Damn so it. it's pushed <laughs> 61 over 60. So that's a failed push. Roll. It is. You grab onto the counter, and for the first few moments as your steps move forward you feel yourself steadying and as you continue to walk further and further you realize that the room the horizon line is changing from center to left and then right and then all of a sudden your vision totally turns upside down and darkness comes afterwards great the door opens at some point it's dark where you're at but this door opens this red door you stood in front of and stepping through it is a tall very tall robed figure his skin is black and powerfully toned and he leans down ever so elegantly and with just the simplest of gestures raises you back up to steady and you look into this figure's eyes and you see it there just set between his prominent and well-structured face a pair of starlit black orbs. And in your left ear, you hear the voice of what can only be a being not of this planet. 
and the voice says, A pleasure to meet your acquaintance, Miss Lane. I'll see you shortly. And then suddenly there's a sweaty Egyptian man holding you in his arms, begging you to, to come back. He's lightly tapping on your face, and all of a sudden the dust from Egypt rolls through the door as uh, an elderly woman brings a water skin to him, and he's offering you water, and he's begging you to get up. I slowly shake my head and slowly opening my eyes, and I, I, I'm okay. Maybe. You think that for a moment, and then suddenly the bell rush of a headache grabs the front of your head, and you realize that the Egyptian shop owner has a cloth on the back of your head, and you suddenly feel just like this numbing ache at the back of your skull. I'm assuming I hit my head going down. It's possible. Uh, The water is super helpful because it helps you wake back up. The pain is what comes with it, and that's the difficult portion. Do I remember what I saw when I was um, blacked out? You remember that the red door opened. You think something walked through it. The voice is more what you remember. That's the thing that your brain clings to. So I don't remember that it was a robed figure. You don't. Darn. Okay. I thank them for the water and, and the uh, the washcloth. And I, I start trying to get up myself and sure I'm a little woozy. It's definitely difficult. It It takes several more minutes than you are expecting. Uh, They get you to a chair, which for the moment seems reasonable. Uh, You look outside and the the daytime light, the afternoon light that you use to get here to the red alley is gone. But he's going to be missing me back at the the house. I mean, maybe not. (laughs) I mean, it's possible. It's possible. They wrap your head in a bandage and tell you that the, the, the woman, the elderly woman who speaks a little bit more English than the man does, tells you that uh, you, you hurt your head a little bit, uh, but you should recover okay. Am I, was I bleeding at all? I reach around to the back of my head. Am I, yeah, am I bleeding? absolutely. You feel the three hit points of damage you took to the back of the head now. <sighs> it makes you wince. Well, I'm assuming I'm not going to be walking anywhere anytime soon because I can't because... Mm-hmm. Do you have somewhere that I can lay down for a little while? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Uh, The elderly woman helps you uh, to a stairs that go up and uh, they they put you in a bed. I suddenly feel very tired and my head hurts really bad. And you pass out. (laughs) I pass out. And that is where we leave this adventure of Lillian Lane for the moment. We are certain that she will uh, at some point soon wake back up and uh, perhaps rejoin the investigation. So thank you so much. And we will see you next week. 